0: Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show excited to rewatch and
1: recap it along the way. Today, we are here to recap Gilmore Girls Season 3, Episode 5, titled 8 O'Clock at the Oasis. The Netflix bio for this episode is after a disastrous date with a man she met at an auction organized by Emily Lorelai tries to cancel the second date despite her parents objections if you heard me pause after a man it's because I thought about inserting John Ham there but I decided that's not the place um. he's just so recognizable now
0: like he was just a an extra basically at this point but now he's like
1: I know. <laughs> It's shocking, and it's really up there in, like, top three of cameos Mm -hmm. from famous people that would go on to be a lot more famous. Like, I was just, I was delightful. Glee filled me when I remembered this was the auction episode. (laughs) But we'll discuss that more. Yeah,
0: before we, before we get into that, don't forget about our sticker giveaway, um, so, to enter, you can write us a five star review on Apple Podcasts and email us a screenshot to talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com and we'll mail a sticker to you. And just an extra note, we will mail internationally. So, mm. it's not confined to the United States. And also, if you don't want a sticker but still want to review us, uh, please do. <laughs> you can also yeah. do like the rating on Spotify, which is much easier. Yeah, mm-hmm. so what were your thoughts on this episode other than being tickled that John Ham was in it?
1: <laughs> I really, really liked this episode a lot. Like, this is the definition of a, like a standard kind of mid season mm-hmm. episode to me. I really liked this like little side plot about the lawn. Um, I liked the auction and the Lorelai dating stuff. It was all so. I don't know, just like entertaining to me. I love the Jess and Rory interaction, which I don't know if I remembered before the episode, but instantly when I learned about the lawn lottery, <laughs> won, uh, the lawn watering, <laughs> I was instantly like my mm-hmm. memory it flashed back. I'm like, oh, I know what that's gonna be. So, um, really liked it. How about you? I clearly have memories of the lawn stuff and
0: that Jess interaction and the weird. Creepy neighbor, but I always forget about the auction stuff, mm. even though I don't understand how I do because it's John Ham. <laughs> but I always forget <laughs> about that whole storyline. So, yeah, I found it to be pretty fun. Kind of an antics episode, no like mm-hmm. serious drama, which is nice. Not that we've yeah. had too much serious drama yet this season, but I'm sure we'll get some.
1: Like, we opened with some, and then they've been taking it a bit. Mm-hmm smoother since then yeah
0: reminds us why we like the old-fashioned 22 episode once a week format (laughs) not that Mm -hmm. not that binging full seasons is not fun also
1: but yeah yeah this definitely feels like a hallmark episode of the 22 episode season Mm -hmm. television show like this is what it has to offer (laughs) yeah
0: just like everyday kinds of stuff
1: Yes, and like a neighbor you'll never see again. <laughs> yeah, somehow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, let's get into our Talking Fast segment to kick off. Well, we are kind of kicked it off already <laughs> to continue kicking it off. <laughs> are you prepared to go first? Sure. Ready, set, go emily invites lorelei to an auction to get furniture for the inn michelle loves auctions he tags along they're both there that's when lorelei meets john ham they she gets his number later from emily who's delighted to be able to kind of lord that over her they go on a date he's a dud boring so she wants to cancel the david bowie concert uh but emily's really disappointed so it's richard they convince her to Go and how am I using so much time, Rory? Um, there's also lawn, lawn watering. Um, Rory <laughs> just get wet. Um, ah! <laughs> uh, oh. Nice. <laughs> I think I would have had a nice 30 second recap of just the Lorelai plot little Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then I kind of forgot about everything else. I mean, the lawn
0: stuff is so like minimal, time wise. Probably takes up like five minutes of the whole episode, maybe ten.
1: Uh, three times a day 10 minutes each uh, no. <laughs> that didn't really work i was trying to make a reference um okay are you ready for your turn
0: yeah i believe so
1: okay on your mark get set go
0: so we start off with luke being grumpy about breastfeeding and then lorelei's in, uh, invited to an auction and michelle goes as well at the auction lorelei meets john ham And then she finds out who he is and sets up a date with him without considering that he's connected to Emily and her social world. Meanwhile, they're watering their uh, neighbor's lawn and the date goes badly and Richard gets very angry about it. And then Rory and Jess have (laughs) a wet moment.
1: (laughs) A wet moment. All
0: right. (laughs) I know. Sounds different from what it is.
1: I liked your use of meanwhile as a transition as well. Very Netflix bio writer of you.
0: (laughs) It's completely subconscious. It's just Mm -hmm.
1: the genius of my mind. (laughs) Okay. Let's slow down and go to the cold open, which as you mentioned features. a lot of it dedicates a lot of time to a breastfeeding um, mm-hmm. complaint from Luke, what was your response to this? <laughs> this was actually my Friday night dinner. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and I have a little history lesson to go along with it because oh, good. Part of Luke's like, he's disgusted by a woman breastfeeding in public, and he goes on this whole tirade about how you know, in the old days, a woman would never do, she would like go to a barn or something to do this. So being a medievalist, I decided to bring up some good medieval uh, depictions of breastfeeding and Christianity because that's always fun. So Mm -hmm. we have the obvious Madonna and Child, which was everywhere in the Middle Ages. It's Mary, obviously, nursing Jesus, a baby Jesus who Strangely, often the baby Jesuses were drawn with like old man faces. (laughs) Slightly (laughs) disconcerting, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I'll try and find some pictures to post on our Instagram. And the other one that is really cool that people who are Christians these days refuse to or are often like kind of repulsed by. But during the Middle Ages, there was a big trend about Jesus's wound and there's a lot of feminization that happens around it. Um, Jesus, his wound is often depicted kind of as a vagina in books of hours, prayer books. And there's a lot of evidence of people, like, stroking them, whether for prayer or other reasons. But the one mm. I I want to talk about is Jesus as a, as breastfeeding from his wound, his side wound. Obviously, there's the whole blood of life uh or blood of Christ and body communion stuff. So there were all sorts of depictions of people like drinking from the blood dripping down Jesus's side from his wound. There's also him birthing um, like a personified Holy Spirit from his wound. Uh, So there's a lot of interesting iconography around breastfeeding. I think it would be, Pretty safe to say that breastfeeding was not uh, such a disgusting, taboo topic as Luke might want to think it is. Although, in American religious history, it might have been. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know that much about Puritan and uh, all the other uh, Protestant groups that came afterwards, how they would have thought about that. But at least in the Middle Ages, breastfeeding was a normal part of life as
1: it is today <laughs> mm-hmm. right wow that took a turn unexpected I know. <laughs> I know that is cool it almost gives me like vampire vibes oh yeah of the blood of the life source and whatnot yeah
0: I mean a lot of old vampire stories are connected to that especially like as the folklore transitioned with the spread of Christianity it often became about jesus like holy blood and drinking blood the blood of life and that kind of stuff Mm. but also my critique was that luke needs to chill out breastfeeding is a normal thing it's not disgusting it shouldn't be something that you have to hide doing
1: Mm -hmm.
0: he needs to chill and also if he wants them to buy food he should say you know to be here you need to at least buy breakfast that's an easy thing for a proprietor of a business to say i would
1: yeah yeah i think we could spend a whole podcast episode alone on this scene (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and to like i don't even i don't think we have the time to dive into like the puritan new england history of it all but i love i just I'll, i'll say that i love how your history lesson um of medieval history illustrates like this the use of saying like oh in the olden days as this like vague sense of like Thing to support your own opinion. He's not actually referring to like a specific moment in time there uh, to make his critique um, when he's the one like sexualizing women's bodies. And that's why he's so scandalized and wants some covered in a, you know, in the diner and whatnot. I think the only thing that kind of humored me in this is when Jess appears yeah. at the end, just because it's a good use of like kind of um, body. Humor, I don't, not really body Mm -hmm. humor, I can't think of the word for it, where he, like, walks down the stairs, comes behind the curtain, he sees the lady breastfeeding, and I think it's just the way Milo acts it out. He's like, oh, and then (laughs) turns around immediately and goes back upstairs, like, forget if he had to go to school, like, he's just like, I Mm -hmm. can't go that way. (laughs) That was the only kind of funny part, I thought. Yeah, no, I agree. I also liked that Lorelai, throughout the
0: entire interaction, was just kind of, Uh, making fun of Luke and trying to Mm. like point out how ridiculous he was being (laughs) Um, which was good I'm sure that there are some some versions of Lorelai we could get that would like be criticizing the woman also but Mm. I liked here that she was just like you know you're being being ridiculous Luke
1: (laughs) yeah I liked that she didn't really add to the joke like she easily Mm could have
0: I also wanted to point out before this scene, as they're walking into town, we get clear shots of all the fall decorations. There's a the mm-hmm. scarecrow and pumpkins and stuff. So mm-hmm. we are officially in fall in Stars Hollow.
1: Mm-hmm. And the scarecrow has a pumpkin for a head. Yeah, that's pretty so cool. I like that's that. That's pretty good. Very
0: yeah. Jack Skellington.
1: Define gravity with that one. <laughs> so from here, the episode continues at the Independence Inn if you get deja vu by seeing Michelle and Lorelai sparring at the counter to be interrupted by a phone call from Emily, you're not alone because (laughs) that happens again. Um, And it just has me thinking, I think we've commented on it before, like so many scenes open this way. Um, This one, the small talk is about how Michelle was just um, two people threw pillows at him because they read in a brochure in their room that down pillows are toxic and so michelle very characteristically in his like acid tongued manner takes it out on him on them by calling the wife large and the husband ugly so um a tip for tat i guess because it's not cool that they threw pillows at him but his attitude about you know people isn't also that great either (laughs) yeah yeah i remember working at hotels Mm -hmm. often
0: getting pillow complaints like this like you'd have uh, down pillow option or like a polyester fill kind of option and some people have legitimate allergies Mm -hmm. so they can't have the down ones but then other times people would just be like you know I've read blah 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 so I need this yeah and (laughs) we don't you know ridiculous
1: (laughs) the ironic thing is that they had that pamphlet in the room like they Mm -hmm. could have just not put that in there
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so Emily's call is about an auction coming up and it's for, I hope I got this name right, the Society Matrons League Charity Auction. It's kind <laughs> of a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's inviting Lorelai. I thought that this was a great gesture because she's inviting Lorelai not to, like, spend time with her like we've seen in the past. But because she thinks it's something that could actually interest Lorelai and she might actually find some good things to bid on. Um I thought it was nice, a nice gesture. Mm -hmm. And Michelle is is ecstatic.
1: Yeah, yeah. Lorelai makes a lot of jokes about the, like, matron league, uh, like, old people jokes. And I think they kind of open themselves up to that by identifying as matrons. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's true. My thing that I noticed in this scene in particular is when they start the call before Emily's made this offer, Emily offers some helpful, constructive criticism to Lorelai about how to answer the phone. And oh I gave gosh. this moment my just sass attack <laughs> because after Emily has said you need to identify yourself when you answer the phone, Lorelai says, independence in, major disappointment speaking, <laughs> which is just like a very, very good joke. A really great way to turn yeah. around the criticism.
0: <laughs> it also reminds me, another hotel anecdote. At one of the hotels I was working at, like, you always have a script when you answer the phone, and we would get, um, like, secret shopper-type phone calls that would record us throughout an entire conversation to see if we were, like, answering it correctly and then leading people through a reservation correctly, and then they would send that to my boss (laughs) with a rating, and we had, like, a competition on who would get the highest rating, so... Wow, Emily is kind of right. Most hotels probably have some sort of uh, identifying information. Did you win the competition? I think I did once. Oh, nice. But only because I was trying really hard. And after that, I was just like, okay,
1: mm-hmm. this
0: whole charade is ridiculous. You just rode <laughs>
1: on the coattails of your success from the first yeah. win. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: Uh, yeah, okay, good. Uh, bat- and... One last note about the scene as well. This episode features like a small Michelle plot line with Lorelai where he goes along with her to the auction. And it just had me thinking about how we haven't had a lot of plot lines with Michelle. The only other one I can think of is when his mom visited. But I just thought it's a little weird because I... I often think of Suki and Michelle as kind of on the same level of supporting character. I mean, is probably a bit higher, but I was just surprised to kind of look back at the first two and some seasons so far and be like, wow, he really doesn't get much at all in terms of characterization or story. And I wonder if that yeah, is just true. like a writer choice. Was the actor not available? Like, I don't know. I just think i guess in my memory i thought he had more stuff maybe it comes later
0: (laughs) yeah they're kind of it was kind of similar with lane like in the first two seasons Mm -hmm. she barely had any storylines and now she's finally getting her day in the sun so Yeah. yeah i wonder what like what it what's the turning point for the writer's room to decide to give a side character more story
1: yeah Uh, oh to be a fly on the wall (laughs) yeah (laughs) in the past i'd have to time travel and turn into a fly yeah (laughs) i don't know maybe oh sorry i was just about to go into
0: some time travel conjecture that's a tangent we don't need
1: (laughs) maybe another day yeah
0: (laughs) so yeah michelle is really excited to go to this auction he's got strategy ideas and our next scene is at home, Lorelai and Rory are returning from getting pizza or whatever they were doing. Mm-hmm. And Rory goes inside, Lorelai goes to get the mail, and then she is like bombarded by this new neighbor whose name is Dwight. Yeah. Um, I didn't catch his last name.
1: I don't think he says, but he's staying at Beanie Morrison's old place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have quite
0: a back and forth about that. Mm -hmm. And he is super excited to be in Stars Hollow um, to get out of the city, it sounds like. And he's annoyingly cheerful and positive.
1: (laughs) He's like so impressed by all of the people he's met and how friendly they are. And what I like (laughs) about this character Um, is that, like, I feel like he's kind of having the reaction most people would have if they moved to Stars Hollow. Mm -hmm. Just, like, dazed and amazed, (laughs) you know, by your surroundings. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And Lorelai tries to
0: kind of wrap this conversation up and go back inside. And she says, you know, the polite thing that people often say without any meaning behind it. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, if there's anything you need, just let me know. (laughs) And he... He jumps right on that. uh, And there is something he needs. He needs somebody to water his brand new lawn while he's away on a business trip. Uh, So Lorelai gets roped into that. He was giving serious serial killer vibes this whole time, (laughs) like forcing Lorelai to come over at that moment. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, they didn't go inside. (laughs) Otherwise,
1: that would have been really creepy. Yeah. Yeah, I I placed my Friday night dinner critique in the premise of this kind of storyline i think i maybe just wanted like a light-hearted critique for once <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i wanted to critique this kind of behavior which i feel like a lot of people it happens in a day-to-day life where it's the classic like oh what are, are you free on friday yeah okay can you help me move my couch like <laughs> yeah the way of like <laughs> roping someone in before you're asking them um what you want from them and the fact that this is just a stranger totally like roping her into this and then he adds on further terms once he's gone like oh can you water mm. the plants inside oh can you water more times a day and they don't even know each other uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's just like come on man but I did also want to say that I like the way that the show writers are using this like bad behavior um in a silly way as the basis for this plot line um which will like also include his really wacky house interior uh his ex-wife like it's just got like quirky details that I really I vibed with you know I think we've said before like certain filler episodes will just be like oh I like this or I don't it's really personal preference and this one was just like tickling me as we said earlier (laughs) And it gets the big like wet Rory and Jess moment later on.
0: Oh yeah, like a
1: uh, almost like a notebook type of scene. Exactly, had the like, potential <laughs> that I I'll say it more than I don't know. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll I'd want to talk about the water <laughs> of it all later. I'll wait. Okay.
0: <laughs> I did have uh, a conjecture or a question about this Dwight scene. He it sounds mm-hmm. like he's talked to Babette, <laughs> and yeah. I imagine that Babette also got annoyed by him and somehow sidestepped out of doing this lawn stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just want to see Babette and her, like, her specific way of interacting sidestep out of a commitment like this. I think that would have been so much fun. (laughs) I agree.
1: Later on, we learn he got the Lorelai cell number from Babette. So I think there was a certain, like, pushing him off of, oh, you should really go yeah, talk to Lorelai, <laughs> Sugar, or whatever yeah. she says. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a good point. We need more Babette. Have we seen her at all this season? I believe in the town meeting. Oh, yeah. Last episode at, at least. But it's too. been really brief. Yeah, We haven't seen Suki in a while either. Um, yeah. I feel like we notice these kinds of things when we go so slow. <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> Where know. are all the people?
0: <laughs> I was realizing the other day, the last time I did a full gilmore girls that you watch was now like a year and a half ago it's the longest i've ever
1: gone (laughs) (laughs) i know because i feel like i'm cheating if i watch Uh, all of it at this point (laughs) yeah we wouldn't have my foggy memory to contribute (laughs) i'm sure people love that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay the remainder of this scene is dwight taking her over to his house I was a bit confused by the layout of the neighborhood. They kind of cut through the backyard. I wanted to see a map of how this all worked, but he's got like a spigot in the lawn that does not look like a lawn. Like I've just, I'm used to like a hose. I wasn't really sure what this system was. It looked kind of like old school. There's like a long kind of rod thing that you use to twist the thing at the bottom. That's very specific and helpful, I'm sure.
0: (laughs) I've seen that kind of contraption,
1: but it was like, yeah, in an older system, I guess, maybe 20 years ago. So around this time. Okay, there we go. Uh, And when Lorelai was heading back, I was thinking about how we got a lot of outdoor shots in these couple scenes that we don't always get. Like when they were coming back from Pete's Pizza, they walked by Babette's house and you saw the exterior really um in detail we don't always see that then we saw the hoopa in the background at one point and then when she gets home roar is kind of coming off the side of the porch and i don't think we've seen that the side of the porch in like maybe since season one even um so i just liked all the attention to detail and it made me wonder if they had like a slightly bigger budget to be able to have like all of these sets come back or if they were just able to like book them I'm I'm not sure but I just liked all of that
0: yeah I agree I hadn't even noticed that but that's Mm -hmm. very true it builds more ambiance. yeah (laughs) yeah so after this we go to the auction and Lorelai's dress at the auction gets my Lorelai's closet (laughs) for the episode it's like a gray kind of t-shirt-y material I'd say some sort of knit um but it's uh got like a cool knot at the bust area that I thought was really nice or the neckline that's probably a better way to say it (laughs) the the neckline had a cool knot and I thought she looked really good in, in it it just like fit her really well and looked kind of fancy but still comfortable um I liked it and Michelle is sitting next to her and he has his strategy for this auction, and he also has, like, ridiculously good paddle-raising skills,
1: I will say. Right, like, he's so good that he doesn't want to share with Lorelei. so she naturally heads over to the bar, which is when she meets one Mr. John Hamm. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, before that, she runs
0: into Emily really quick. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And they just have a short interaction where we find out that Emily is called the Cobra by the <laughs> Matrons League people because uh she doesn't let go until she gets what she wants. I thought that was a great description of her.
1: Oh yeah. She's definitely a cobra. <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, then we get to the bar with John Ham. If anybody doesn't know who John Hamm is, I mean I don't know where you've been for the past 20 years. I mean, I, he's not like the biggest superstar, I'd say, but he is fairly well known, I think. He was in mm-hmm. Mad Men.
1: Yeah. Which is a great I think show. the Don Draper of it all was like his yeah huge thing, you know. And then I don't know exactly what he's been in recently. He's been a lot of um, commercials with the yeah. flow person. From, <laughs> yeah,
0: from Progressive. So auto he's insurance. probably paying his bills
1: pretty well. But <laughs> yeah, he was in something
0: really that was like a comedy with Daniel Radcliffe. I guess it was probably like five or six years ago. Um, so it's been a while, but he's been in a lot of comedies. I want to say in the past. Since Mad Men rapped,
1: yeah. I'll say, as the thirsty girl I am, John Ham and <laughs> like Mad Men is like the height of like dapper, handsome John Ham. But we're currently in this same age, in like you could say, Zaddy or you know, <laughs> the older, more mature, sexy John Ham state. Um, so it's interesting to see him here where he looks i would say pretty close to the madman except that his haircut in the scene is very yeah, like spiky. early 2000s to me it's not very good just like the earlier on logan looks are not very good either they look they're so dated you know in a weird way um but i did google it and season three of gilmore girls was airing in 2002 to 2003 and Mad Men was um the pilot was 2007 So it was actually, like, five years in between. So he still had a little bit of time before he, like, went big after this. So if they'd asked him to recur, he might have recurred. You know, he didn't have anything booked, I don't (laughs) think. But uh, the whole point of his character, whose name is not John Hamm. Lorelai doesn't learn it yet, though. uh, But the whole point of him is that, like, she's impressed now. They have good flirting over the Merlot because he gets the last glass. So they playfully bid for it, which was cute. And then he, and I think like a very suave move, splits the glass with her. And she calls him Solomon for that. That's kind of like her nickname for him. Um, And then he goes away to go like bid. Uh, So she, like, it's kind of like a missed, uh, what do they call those? The meetings Uh, where you like. Yeah, a meet-cute, but also, um, like, um, when you put in the newspaper, missed opportunity or something like that. Um, It's like she's left wanting more, essentially. And there's a bit of mystery and intrigue to him, I think, from his sudden departure. And this just all has, like, super great dramatic irony to it, knowing what we know from hindsight, that he will end up being boring. And also that he's, like, John Ham, now, (laughs) like, a dazzling personality, a persona, but, like, he's playing someone who is just so boring to look yeah. like. <laughs> I love it all. <laughs> this was like John or uh, Don Draper
0: as he was like trying out his new personalities.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I also, I almost had a Rory's bookshelf in this scene. Cause, and I decided not to choose it cause I'm not 100% sure, but it was for the Solomon nickname. Mm-hmm. I think, does this have to do with the Bible story where? They're like the two wives and Solomon has to mediate between
1: them. And splits a baby. Yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> are we gonna have to put a warning on this episode? <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> from the start.
0: Yeah, maybe. <laughs>
1: yeah, oh, I think I'm, I'm
0: pretty sure that's the reference. Yeah, I, but it, it
1: is, yeah. That makes the most sense. <laughs> well, moving from here, the next scene uh, is a Friday. It's a very, like, a short scene that is a prelude to the Friday night dinner that is to come. Lorelai is on the phone with the auction, the matrons, the people, um, trying to get the number. They are, of course, saying that's confidential, so she spends a few minutes trying to persuade them through a variety of strategies. I won't get in (laughs) too much. Um, Rory is just overhearing all of this, observing it. She's laughing, seems quite amused by this and then she tells Lorelai afterward, like, you know who would have his information. It's Emily. And Lorelai's kinda like, uh no, I don't I don't wanna ask her for that information. Uh but I also wanted to just highlight in this scene that this is like the first person we've seen her pursue romantically since all of the stuff with Chris went down. Oh yeah. And I was thinking about the timeline of that and you know Sookie's budding was at like the beginning of the summer and now we seem to be pretty securely in fall so like I'm not one to judge but in my opinion I feel like that's a good chunk of time like I feel like mm-hmm. this is a good time for her to be like getting back out there uh, with someone um, and it's nice to see her having interest and I feel like Rory is really conveying that support of her too uh, which I thought was really sweet of Rory to be um She's not, like, hung up on the Chris of it at all, you know, which I would get. But she's very, like, um, encouraging of Lorelai getting his number and stuff. So I just thought it was, like, a good, like, good for Lorelai. Go get out there, girl. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's a good point. We don't often see her being the pursuer. Mm. She's usually, like, the pursued or they've been waiting <laughs> for <laughs> the perfect moment. So, yeah, it's <laughs> interesting to see her, like, how far she'll go to... To pursue somebody, which I would say is pretty far for her to ask Emily. That's a good point. (laughs) Which brings us to the next scene, which is that Friday night dinner. And Richard is making uh, an appearance. It is somewhat brief, (laughs) but he is here for once. And Emily is uh, at first concerned about the pork that they're eating. Richard has some sassy comeback about how... (laughs) Pork is bred differently these days with less fat, so that means it has less taste. (laughs) And during all this, or after this, Rory starts kind of heavily hinting about uh, Lorelai being curious about something from the auction, (laughs) until finally Lorelai gives in and asks Emily if she knows this guy who was paddle number 17, I believe. And we get John Ham's name, which is Peyton Sanders, and I've never heard a more pretentious, like New
1: England upper white upper class white name than Peyton yeah. Sanders. And it made me think of Peyton Manning, like the only oh, other Peyton I've ever yeah. heard of. So that tracks as well with your point about like New England um, mm-hmm. white guy. <laughs> Just sounds so pretentious. And then
0: Emily takes advantage of this knowledge of uh, Lorelai's interest and starts kind of, uh, I wrote trolling her, but like teasing yeah. her about it. Um, and she she teases Lorelai until sh- Lorelai finally asks for Peyton's number.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I thought it was a great little interaction.
1: Yeah, and it was cool yeah. to
0: see Emily like. She could this this would probably be like her ideal match for Lorelai other than Christopher. So she was excited, I think.
1: Yeah, it was amusing to see Emily so gleeful about getting the upper hand. And it makes me think back to the episode where they like surprised Lorelai with that blind date. Right. And that guy was oh, yeah, Um, So it's like in an ideal world, this is what Emily would love to do. Set Lorelai up with someone from her circle. So she's like, oh, Lorelai came to me for this. And now I get to like lord it over her. It worked. It worked very well as it played out in the scene. And um, I also wanted to follow up on your observation that Richard is back. And he's back like as if nothing ever happened, which is what we suspected at the time when um, he was so critical of Lorelai when she went over and told them about her and Christopher. And then it just had me thinking about like they the following episode, her and Emily like work it out a little bit about that conflict. They don't come to a resolution, but they address it. They never did that with Richard. And I didn't realize that was something like that's something I'm seeing now through our recaps Um, that like. Richard really is not there as much as I thought and when he is like sometimes they just like leave plot lines hanging with him it seems like and I feel like it's a a disservice to the character of Richard because um when they have like had him and Lorelai have scenes and whatnot it's like fantastic so I don't know writers avail actor availability I'm not sure what it is but um, yeah he's just back like making his funny little comments um he says it's like the great joy of his life to be able to provide Emily with useless furniture and someday they'll just be standing in the corner looking at their furniture so like it's all great like it's the Richard we know and love but it's like where were you buddy <laughs> yeah yeah it'll, it would also be like just a great storytelling thing
0: to be able to have storylines that kind of recur until they're wrapped up. I I mean, you get that all the time in novels and stuff where something happens, but then it will be a while before it's mentioned again and then it's wrapped mm-hmm. up just because you have to see a certain person again. And it seems like that's more natural in how things actually work. So, yeah, and we I mean, we kind of have closure with the Christopher stuff at least for Emily, but and after that big explosion, but also, like, we still don't really. So, this could have been mm-hmm. an opportunity to get some sort of closure and also keep building that tension for the season yeah. in an otherwise, like, fairly drama free episode.
1: Yeah, it feels like a missed opportunity for sure.
0: We interrupt this podcast
1: with a message from our sponsor Going once. Going twice, and our front row ticket to David Bowie's farewell concert. Accompany a handsome young man with a car. Going three times, sold to the gentleman in the suit with the silver blue tie from the Independence Inn. Consider this an invitation to the famous Society
0: Matrons League charity auction. You'll find all sorts of things at the auction, from end tables to lamps to steam trunks big enough for a body. But don't expect the red wine to last long, you might have to compromise with the above-mentioned handsome young man with a car,
1: or drink white wine. Listeners of Talking Fast will get a special deal for this exciting event. Call ahead and ask for the Cobra when you RSVP and you'll get a special paddle. This one-of-a-kind paddle will be studded with diamonds and an imprint of the relentless Cobra you will have to be to get anything that you came for. Don't worry, it's not all for show. The diamonds have a reputation for catching the dim lighting and blinding the auctioneer to any number but yours. Good luck! Well, all right. Moving forward to the plot lines they did right. We, I think this is like a Monday morning. It's a like before school and work sort of scene where Lorelai and Rory are running late, but they remember that they need to still water Dwight's lawn. Um, So they go over there only to discover that he's left this note for Lorelai asking her like, hey, thanks for doing this. And by the way, can you also go inside and water my plants every day? So rude. Um, but I will say, this allows us to enter Dwight's home. <laughs> yeah. And what a shock that is. It's like a tiki bar. Yeah. But it's his house. Like, I was shocked, highly entertained by this. I think about the set designers who are tasked with creating this. I'm sure they had a lot of fun it paid off like there's a lot of little details that we could point out Uh, my favorite is my rory's bookshelf which is this um it's like a cuckoo clock it's like pops out and it's eight o'clock by the oasis so it's like the Mm -hmm. episode title he's got just this like cuckoo clock to go along with the oasis theme because he calls his house the oasis so uh, rory is like over standing by the mantle and all of a sudden little figure pops out and the song plays and alexis buddell's face like the her expression here is top-notch comedy she looks like so confused and disturbed at the same time um but this is a reference to a song i'm not familiar with but it's called midnight at the oasis by maria moldar um And later on, like the little cuckoo clock sings, I think it's like three or something. So he has it programmed to do all these different (laughs) um, hours, but I thought it was a good detail.
0: He definitely committed to the theme (laughs) and his house was also my Star's Hollow moment for the episode. I don't think that there's another place that could have supported a character with such a ridiculous house. Um, he does have, like, all the bamboo-type furniture that you'd normally see outside, (laughs) and he's got all sorts of, like, um, appropriative masks and totem poles Mm -hmm. and stuff from all these, uh, like, stereotypical, uh, like, ideas of indigenous cultures and stuff like that, and it's just ridiculous. It's, like, so cheesy. You can, he's got a little bar, and you can, imagine the only thing he makes are like pina coladas and daiquiris Mm -hmm. and every single evening he sits there drinking a daiquiri Mm -hmm. and he's just so ridiculous and it could only happen in stars hollow yeah just because it means he matches everybody
1: else in town everybody else is weird as well i know like did he really want his plants watered or did he just want them to go see his (laughs) house And he says like (laughs) Oh, I have some board games you could play. And then he's got this cabinet like full to the brim of board games, uh, which was also impressive. Everything was just like in excess in his um, house. (laughs) Um, So as they're taking this all in, Lorelai gets a call from Peyton who got her message. is calling her back. He says he is um, he says he's back from I think it was Maui. Um, on his jet very fancy guy and he invites her to the David Bowie farewell concert at, on a date which is like quite impressive yeah. yeah and then he says like mm, that's too far away like let's meet up sooner so then they agree to go to dinner the next night and I like the way that they're building him up in this very grand way because it's like all of these things seem impressive you know Mm -hmm. like oh a guy who's gonna sweep you off your feet with bowie tickets and then isn't too afraid to like schedule another date the next day before that because he wants to see you like oh how romantic grand gestures and whatnot um yeah I like that they're building it up only to like knock it all down later (laughs) on yeah and so swiftly I'm just so surprised that
0: we haven't gotten that many like super big name music references outside of like Lane's references and stuff and the only other concert we've seen was the Bangles which I mean they're well known but not nearly as well known as David Bowie I can't I can't believe Lorelai even considered turning down this ticket no matter how
1: boring he is but that's what I'm saying yeah I'm we'll get to that later but I completely agree and that's almost a sign that this won't go well because it's like you're telling me they got David Bowie to cameo on Mm -hmm. Gilmore Girls like there's no way we're going to that concert (laughs) yeah
0: Uh, we don't even go to the date though because the next episode or the next season the next scene is Lorelai getting dressed and she's kind of debating over her different dresses finally she changes one last time, and I guess
1: that's the outfit. That was my Lorelai's closet is the outfit she decides to wear to the date. Uh, the, <clears throat> the top is this like black and red shirt, and the it's like sheer with the camisole underneath, and it's this kind of abstract floral pattern, um, and she's wearing it with a black skirt, and I thought it was just like a really good sleek look on her for this dinner date, and I liked that it was also the scene was like Rory giving her advice about what to wear. Lorelai saying like this is my final outfit and it's like a brown outfit or something. And then immediately going to change it. It was not her final outfit. Uh, it's all just very like charming and very them, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And Rory's reading the entire time doing <laughs> some sort of schoolwork or something. Or just reading a book. <clears throat> and as soon as Lorelai is dressed... The doorbell rings. She tells Rory, like, if it is, if he's not as handsome as she remembered, then Rory should pretend to be sick at some point soon. But as soon as she opens the door, she tells Rory that Rory feels very well. And that means that Lorelai approves of him. Of course, it's John Hamm. So obviously he's standing there looking handsome and -hmm. he's got an impressive car.
1: And... That's all we see of the date, sadly. Yeah, this is the last we'll see of John Ham. Yeah, on Gilmer. I can't Girls. believe it. Gone too soon. Yep. Never forgotten. <laughs> yeah. After this,
0: Lorelai gets home and she wakes up Rory and tells, and it's early. It's only like ten thirty, which is late to me, but early to get yeah. home from a date, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she tells. Rory about how boring Peyton is. He spent like the whole evening talking about his car and it was just painful for both of them. And Rory also used this descriptor, which I think is weird and I've never heard outside of this. Lorelai mentions that he goes on about wine and Rory calls him a whiny, but Mm -hmm. I've only ever heard people who are into wine called winos. (laughs) Mm hmm. And I like that much better than whiny. But the final verdict is that Lorelai isn't even gonna go to David Bowie, which is just ridiculous. Like fake it for one more Right. One more date, you know?
1: You don't even have to talk. I, I absolutely agree. And I was thinking, like, how much talking is there really at a concert anyways? Mm-hmm. Like I would totally suck it up for that opportunity. Yeah. You know, one thing Lorelai says is that he didn't find her anecdote funny. And I think that is, like, the kiss of death for anyone dating Lorelai. Like, Mm -hmm. that's true. you have to think her anecdotes are funny. Like, she's just a funny person. And if you don't find her funny, like, mm -mm, it's not going to (laughs) work. Yeah, if you didn't
0: find her funny, you'd probably find her really annoying. So (laughs) it's one or the other. But, yeah, bad date all around. And it seems like that's going to be that, which is kind of, like, it would be... A very abrupt end to a storyline if that was the yeah. end of it for the episode
1: but it's not quite <laughs> yeah we learn that this story is not over the following day the next scene is once again at work and Michelle tells her that Emily called and said the auction delivered a lamp to the inn that is supposed to go to Emily and vice versa so after work Lorelai heads over um to go do the lamp swap which is the next scene and um did you oh sorry I shouldn't you know brush over that Michelle also had something delivered which was an 18th century (laughs) bleeding bowl fascinating and gross I thought yeah yeah just to add to our graphicness (laughs) right right (laughs) um so to continue This was my kind of theory for the episode is this lamp mix up because Emily says, you know, this is so unlike the auction, you know, usually it's so well organized and we already heard she's the Cobra who gets everything done at these events. So I'm thinking she managed the mix up so that Uh. Lorelai has to come and exchange the lamps, so that she can ask her about the date. Lorelei says like our names Crafty. are both Gilmore so it makes sense that they would mix them up which I think is a good answer as well but that was my like my conspiracy theory <laughs> yeah I'd agree yeah okay cool um Emily's so eager and excited to hear about how the date went she kind of like cuts right to it and Lorelei has to admit that the date was a dud and she um you know, they have an exchange about this. Of course, Emily is disappointed and she's critical. One of the points she makes is that Lorelai is too judgmental. And if someone says something wrong, Lorelai will instantly like just not be interested in them. I felt like that was like actually a kind of spot on assessment of Lorelai's character as judgmental. Um, But with that said, I really don't feel like Emily has really any ground to stand (laughs) on here. Uh, I understand her disappointment, but, like, I'm totally with Lorelai and Lorelai's defense of herself. She'll later describe it as, like, my love life just isn't any of your business, basically. And, yeah, I just don't think she needs to justify or explain her opinions about this guy to Emily or later on Richard. Like, it's her... It's her choice, like it's her relationships. Yeah, I agree. It was
0: pretty rich to call Laura Lie judgmental coming from Emily. That's good. I she should have been like, I who did I get that from? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't too bad of a conversation comparatively to what happens later. After this, we pick up at Luke's and. Lorelai has bought a salsa video and I have my Rory's bookshelf moment when she mentions Antonio Banderas because the new Puss in Boots movie is out and (laughs) he is Puss in Boots in like the Shrek world Mm
1: -hmm. and it's
0: a character I absolutely love so I just had to shout him out here. He's also just great in other things. He's great in this one movie called The 13th Warrior and spy kids. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> the 13th Warrior is about um, uh, an Arabic, an actual historical Arabic uh, traveler who ends up encountering like pre Viking people on in the Rus' in kind of, uh, I think, the 6th or 7th century, maybe a little bit later than that. and then it's like a fictionalized kind of romp from there. It's a great movie. Hmm. But yeah, Spy Kids also. That's an important one to remember. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen that for so long.
1: Yeah, it has a very different vibe from the movie you just described, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure they're both good in their own ways.
0: (laughs) (sighs) What a classic, classic (laughs) character. Yes,
1: so while Lorelai and Rory are at Luke's, I think there are... There's like two parts to the scene. I would say the first part is that Lorelai pawns the lawn watering to Rory. She gets a phone call where Dwight somehow has her number from Babette and is saying like, oh, it's going to be so sunny. I need you to water it more often, which is just, you know, so rude once again. So presumptuous. Um, So Rory agrees to do it on Lorelai's behalf. Um, Then the second part of this whole scene is the second phone call that Lorelai gets. At this point, Luke points to the sign that says no cell phone calls and asks her to leave, which she does. And um, this is my Star's Hollow moment, actually, within this scene. Um, We noted, like, the decorations outside earlier. um, So I could have placed it there. But I'm placing it now um, just from this angle. I thought, like, I don't know I just thought like the scene is you know a conversation between Lorelai and Richard but it's on Lorelai's end it's just breathtaking there didn't it didn't need to be so pretty to look at but it really was you've got like all the decoration all the decorations behind her there's like a wagon covered in leaves and then Lauren Graham I don't know it's just like the lighting it's her outfit, her makeup, just her natural beauty. I just thought she looks stunning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I um so it's a very like a uh, very much um stars hollow moment uh, just about the beauty of the town and its inhabitants, I guess. I just was very impressed. <laughs> I've noticed so far in this season she
0: seems to have the best hair that we've seen on mm-hmm. her so far. The
1: curly hair. Yeah, yeah, they
0: finally decided to stop trying to make it so straight. I think her hair is mm-hmm. naturally curly, so they still like have to do some processing to it but Mm -hmm. she looks so much better with the i mean not that she looked bad ever but right the curls just suit her so nicely
1: yeah i think if it's her personality not to say that people with like straight hair are so straight edged (laughs) and boring like i have straight hair but this is one way to show a character's (laughs) personality one way is to do it through hair and i feel like the curly hair here serves that yeah (laughs) but you know this phone call with richard I feel like might be the closest we get to them addressing their earlier fight. Not to say that they address it, but one line he does say is like, I don't care about your independence. I don't care about anything you say. I only care about getting Emily what she wants. And that's her um, her prime T spot. And I'll, I'll backtrack and unpack that a little bit. But like the fact that he just openly says he doesn't care about her independence or anything she says, like it's kind of in the heat of the moment. But I feel like it's kind of true to like how when he's at his worst, kind of how he treats and interacts yeah. with Lorelai. But overall, this conversation is him. It opens like actually pretty, I thought it was pretty funny where he's like, well, you know, <laughs> I'm going to Dolph with Peyton's dad and I'll call you afterward and we'll see if how much of the damage we can repair. And Lorelai's is just like, what? So So confused. <laughs> and Richard explains all about like, Emily's world how this is really turning things over for her Peyton's mom is also in the DAR Um, you've really like affected her and Richard is like so I we could say many things but he is the husband who is trying to get whatever his wife wants for you know he's really trying to get Lorelai to I don't know. He's trying to fix the situation so that Emily isn't bumped down to the last person to be served tea at DRR meetings like someone else was. I didn't get her name. <laughs>
0: As he says,
1: if his wife wants the
0: first cup of tea, then damn it, she'll get the first cup of tea. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I
0: thought this was also <laughs> such a ridiculous conversation. There was also a point where Lorelai, like, mentions how ridiculous it all is. And Richard says, yes, of course, like, I don't understand her world. You don't understand her world. Mm -hmm. But it's her world and it needs to be right. It's just, like, ridiculous. It also brought up, kind of, like, reiterated the fact that Richard really has no idea how Emily's life benefits him in many ways. And this comes up again later in their relationship where, and it came up last season, like, around the debutante ball when he was he he was being bumped down from work and stuff and he just like doesn't Mm -hmm. realize that her social engagements and all of her like super strict social etiquette actually is partially what like is responsible for his success in his
1: Mm -hmm. business probably and his Mm -hmm. lifestyle that's such a good point to bring up again because he does really view it as her world he thinks it's Mm -hmm. just separate it's like a a rational, separate world, but it's actually quite tied <laughs> to what he views as his like rational business world. They're not really they are the same world mm-hmm. um, and hers is in service of his, and vice versa, so yeah, fantastic point to bring up again,
0: yeah, I think Lorelei does a fairly good job though of kind of pushing back against all of this because it is all ridiculous. it's her own mm-hmm. dating life. she can do what she wants if she doesn't like a guy then that's that but we'll see the conclusion of that in a couple minutes
1: yes but first we get the (laughs) fun Rory and Jess scene I yeah this memory these memories were just coming like rushing back at this point (laughs) as Rory heads over to go water the lawn uh first we get her going inside to water the plants and we get like (laughs) like the last kind of portion of the Dwight (laughs) storyline he had previously mentioned his ex-wife who was like abusive and really cruel to him I guess and here Rory overhears this voicemail from her which she's like raving mad and demands her board games back so I guess he stole those from her (laughs) Um, Wow. and I don't know again Rory's expression as she's listening to this is really humorous and she like just eventually leaves I don't know if she finished watering the plants but she was like I I do not want to I do not want to be a part of this yeah and then as soon as she gets outside she goes to turn off the
0: water sprinklers and accidentally turns them on higher and can't get them turned off so she becomes soaked and she starts Mm -hmm. freaking out she goes and pages Dean, and we get another Unabomber reference. Yeah. I have to point this out. <laughs> she says, damn Weird. you and your Unabomber, Unabomber tendencies, which is an interesting thing to say about your boyfriend. Yeah. I think she just means unsociable, but...
1: <laughs> yeah. He doesn't respond quick enough, so she says, oh, man, and <laughs> runs away, which... I don't know just like her little expressions in this as she was trying to turn off the water she's also kind of like "ew."
0: (laughs) part of it was made so funny because it was just like there's no background there's no music playing like there's no soundtrack (laughs) to this part so it's just like the sound of sprinkling water and her every once in a while saying oh gosh oh man (laughs) 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 and she starts running into town who knows where like maybe she was trying to go to Dean's house now or go to see Luke or just anybody but Mm -hmm. she runs into Jess who is reading and walking I used to do that all the
1: time really I was actually going to say seeing him do that made me think um when I was younger I would like walk or bike to the public library a lot before I could drive and then I was a classic. Midwestern person I just started driving (laughs) instead of doing the thing that was good for me in the environment anyway and on my way back I would have all my books and I would want to like read while I was going home but I was not very good at that I didn't do so well um so I usually didn't do it and part of me was thinking maybe you know just like I do blame Rory for running into him but he might have seen her coming if he wasn't reading It's not necessarily safe, you know, You shouldn't text and drive. Maybe you shouldn't read and walk either. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Could be a controversial take. (laughs) No, I'd agree. Unless there's
0: like an empty sidewalk, you probably shouldn't be trying to read and walk because you will run into people, which is what happens here. She runs into him. He and like attempts to explain what's happening. He goes immediately off to the oasis and... Turns off the water, getting soaked in the process as well. And then we begin an exchange of awkward and, like, sexual (laughs) tension-filled nonsense words that they say to each other. He asks, like, is everything good? She says, yeah, everything's good. And they kind of go back and forth. And their, like, eye contact is just, like, smoldering. And they're all wet, so it's, like, the classic romantic comedy like kissing in the rain Mm. (laughs) except that it's from sprinklers Mm -hmm. and they don't kiss this was my gazebo moment by the way i almost forgot that the entire jess scene here because it's just so iconic this was
1: also my gazebo moment i was actually thinking it in terms of ranking like jess and rory moments i actually think this might be like my top jess and rory scene from what we've seen so far Uh, which is like big but as I was watching it I I don't know I had like a lot of a lot of different thoughts about it but the way you categorize it as like a classic kind of like romantic comedy or romance movie moment I think is so true and it uses that trope of like the um you fell in the water which was like season two of Bridgerton most recently did this (laughs) so well Um, or you got caught in the rain all of these different moments like it plays into that trope so you're like you're watching it and you're kind of like expecting something I don't know what it is like about them just being drenched maybe it like (laughs) makes them more vulnerable um I don't know thinks about taking off clothes like you know that's kind of how the trope goes but they both look so attractive like Rory with her little like she like her Bambi eyes and like her wet hair like and then Jess with like the sweater that is in like sticking to his body it was just very like it's very good I can see why they're both like having such meaningful eye contact as a response and like the chemistry is just off the charts and this is their first like pleasant conversation that they've had in a while and it it does take you back to think like prior to you know you had like the car crash then he goes to new york then all everything else that happens but like before that they were semi frequently like talking on like a friend level and having conversations and they have it in a long time and i just felt like this moment where he says like oh still planning to go to harvard and she says yeah and he's like good it was just like there's so much they're not saying but the fact that that is even something they say it just reminded me of what They'd had before all of this conflict like rolled along. I don't know. It was so delightful. And the whole, like, it's also a little bit of Prince Charming and Damsel in Distress kind of thing where he fits oh, yeah. like the water for her. But I will say, I don't know. It still worked for me. I, maybe it's because I'm not very handy. So, like, <laughs> I could see myself in the situation. And if Jess Mariana helped me out, like, I think it would go about the same as it does here. But I would not accept the page <laughs> from Dean to interrupt it. <laughs> yeah. It also like him asking about
0: her going to Harvard kind of reminds me of the why did you drop out of Yale scene in yes. a few seasons. He's like proving that he knows her and like this is just kind of him checking in on her. Yeah. I mm. love this scene. It's so so like filled with meaning, so pregnant yeah. with meaning if we're gonna continue
1: <laughs> with that <laughs> theme. I also like the ending of the scene where they're interrupted by the mm-hmm. page from Dean. And Rory says this. She's, like, honest about how she had asked him first and he's going to be over there. And just, like, wordlessly turns on the water, like, back on yeah. so that she'll have an alibi. And this was so, like, um, it was a 180 from the season 2 scene where they're at the house and Dean is coming over yeah. and just, like, makes all these comments. He's taking forever to leave. So then Dean finds him there. Now it's, like, is this a more... I don't know like why I guess my question for you I have some thoughts about it but like why do you think Jess reacts so differently in this moment like he doesn't give her a hard time and he just leaves so that there won't be further conflict between him and Dean here
0: I have no idea maybe it's kind of because at this point he knows that Rory likes him and so like continuing but that she's also chosen Dean even knowing that they have the connection. It's not, like, just a hypothetical anymore. Mm -hmm. And then, but I I don't know, because maybe it's also, like, in deference to Shane, which after last episode, I think it probably is not the case. (laughs) (laughs) But I I thought it was really nice. It was a great gesture. And it also seemed to be filled with additional meaning of, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, Jess's heartbreak or something. Mm -hmm. And also Mm -hmm. Rory's, like, continued cause of it because she mm-hmm. could at this she could still decide to change everything and she still hasn't so yeah what were your theories about it
1: yeah i was like i was reading a bit of like resignation in the decision um like you said of like an acknowledgment of they are more clear about their feelings for each other and also her decision to be with dean like you said so and it made me think back to the conversation he had with Luke last episode about like, I'm not going to wait around hoping she's going to like change her mind. But it's kind of it's a little funny, though, because in that same thing, he kind of critiques Luke for always being there for Lorelai doing everything she needs. Mm-hmm. And it's like when <laughs> sure earlier <it> is. <laughs> like he had to convince Rory. He was like, what's wrong? Like she wouldn't at first tell him what was wrong. And then he like wordlessly immediately went to go help her and then it's like so you do kind of you do kind of you're still kind of there like he I think he is kind of trying to move on but of course it's like impossible um so I like I read some resignation there but also that like unspoken meaning um and the fact that like this action is what will have you know Rory appreciate him more this more like mature response and it's kind of like a see how I've grown, see what you're missing out on kind of thing that might be like subliminal. I don't think he's thinking that explicitly, but that's but how I feel when I watch it, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure like that night while Rory was in bed thinking over this whole thing, she was like, and now he's so mature too, <laughs> mm-hmm. or something along that line. If she was thinking
1: logically about anything at all oh I'm sure she was thinking about it I don't know yeah (laughs) I would be thinking a lot about it (laughs) but in a different way (laughs) yeah yeah so that whole the whole tension of the episode in that two minute interaction I will just lastly say like what a nice surprise you know like you think that's the lawn thing is just like the silly side plot but then for them to Mm -hmm. like rope in the Jess and Rory plot into it and how we hadn't seen them really talk since episode two was just very well done like it was a great yeah a surprise and a treat yeah building the tension for events yet to come <laughs>
0: they're I think coming sooner than we think I know I know okay <laughs> <laughs> so after this we go to another Friday night dinner um and Emily is treating Lorelai super coldly kind of giving her the cold shoulder. She doesn't even ask what kind of drink she wants. She could just gives her white wine, which I thought was a bit of a dig at the red wine interaction mm-hmm. earlier. I don't know if Emily ever found out exactly what the meet cute was for Lorelai and John <laughs> Ham, but if she did, this was great. Finally, Emily leaves the room to go and check on things or uh, bring out hors d'oeuvres or something. I don't remember exactly. Jeez. And
1: Oh, yeah. Cheese. Delicious. I'll always remember <laughs> if it was going to be cheese.
0: <laughs> and uh, Rory tells Lorelai basically to go in and apologize. And I thought that this was a great apology that was completely unnecessary. Like Lorelai 100%. was under no obligation to give this apology, but she did anyways just to patch things up. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of like, sorry that she didn't think about how this thing that she thought was kind of a throwaway, you know, uh interaction could have impacted Emily in her day-to-day life and she was sorry about it and then she reiterates how terrible the date really really was and she says despite all that to make it up to Emily or to if Emily wants her to she will go to the David Bowie concert and Emily's response is just thank you (laughs) she doesn't even say that I'm sure Lorelai was expecting like oh you don't have to do that but uh she
1: didn't get that. (laughs) Um, I thought that was a such a hilarious parallel moment like twice in this episode Lorelai offered something out of politeness and she doesn't think the other person will take her up on it but then she gets roped into doing the favor anyway such as the lawn and now going to the concert. I just really thought that was so funny and yeah to circle back I think this Apology was not necessary, but I was just very impressed with it, to be honest. Like Lorley, the fact that she didn't need to do it, but that she was so gracious within it and that it was really based in like a lot of empathy and her taking Emily's perspective about the event seriously and then balancing them also with her own was just like very well done. And that's at the core of what often goes wrong for the two of them is that not being able to align their own experiences and perspectives on often the same thing so i was just like oh very beautiful conflict resolution here and i had been very afraid like you know when they go into the kitchen yeah. that can be like the <laughs> blowout fight so i was like uh-oh but then it was so peaceful in the end so a nice note to end the episode on yeah i thought Though we didn't even get to see richard again
0: no <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he flew
1: in he flew out yeah yeah
0: (laughs) yeah it was a great episode very fun um who was your
1: mvp for this episode my mvp for this episode was lorelei a lot for that like apology at the end like we've just discussed but also like just a lot of sympathy for her getting roped into all of these favors and i felt like she was being such a good sport about all of it like she could have been mean to Dwight but she wasn't. Um I also just like want to compliment her for, you know, trying to get back out there. Dating mm-hmm. John Ham is a big plus even though <laughs> he turned out to be a bit of a dud, like still very cool experience for her. So yeah. Uh Lorelai was my MVP. Who that's- was yours? My MVP
0: was John Ham <laughs> for no big reason other than that he's John Ham. And Oh, that's good. A I- love Mad Men. I used Mad Men so many times in my rhetoric classes to teach Mm. to show like different examples of rhetoric though Mm -hmm. it's it was more disappointing over time when students would begin to look at me despondently when I asked if they've ever heard of Mad Men (laughs) when in my mind it was still like
1: a new show. (laughs) Wow Mad Men is up there for me as well in a Mm -hmm. show that like I will periodically... Rewatch yeah. and it still has so much to offer. Yeah. and I love like um realism as a literary genre, but I feel like as a TV genre, Mad Men is just like the height of it. It just is so good. I love that show. Yeah,
0: and it's like so nuanced. You could easily watch it on the surface level and get all sorts of toxic masculinity stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But if you look at it more closely, you don't even really have to try that hard, but it's clearly a critique of all of that. So,
1: oh, yeah, I love yeah. it. <laughs> People will be like, That show is so sexist, and it's like, Yes, that's the point. <laughs> yeah. It's showing how that world is an environment is sexist. they oh. <laughs> terrible characters. I mean, yeah. with some exceptions, we'll some. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, we'll say, you know, this isn't a Mad Men podcast, I yeah. guess, but <laughs> not yet. Anyway, we'll see. Yeah. Now there's a show that would take us even longer to recap. It has a lot of seasons.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Okay. Well,
0: Uh, someday. Talk soon about Gilmore Girls, not Mad Men. Yeah, (laughs) talk soon.
1: Thanks for listening to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share us
0: with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast.
1: And join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.